Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You know you got cassava and the honeydew. And you know you got the watermelon too. But the best by far, I'm giving you the straight dough. The best by far is the cantaloupe. Jenny Kaplan. And I'm Lindsay Rupp. Two weeks ago on Material World, we talked to you about what grocery stores might look like in years to come. We looked at how tech could impact the way we buy food, particularly with Amazon's bid to purchase Whole Foods. This week, we're taking a closer look at the much nearer future of grocery. Specifically, we're going to dig into how the biggest grocer on the planet, Walmart, is working to maintain and expand its dominance. Believe it or not, it all comes back to my favorite fruit, cantaloupe. It's a big item. It's the 10th most popular fruit sold nationwide for anyone, not just Walmart. So bananas is number one, of course, you know, and cantaloupe's number 10, though. It's right behind peaches and right in front of the avocado, the hipster's favorite item right now. That's Matt Boyle. He covers Walmart and the discount chains for Bloomberg. More from him later. Amazon may be the future grocery powerhouse, but right now, Walmart has a firm grip on that title. Grocery expert Michael Rollman told us last episode that in the late 80s, Whole Foods and Walmart were the two players that changed the industry into what it is today. Walmart entered the scene in 1988, overnight became the biggest grocery store in the country. This showed that a department store, like a Target, can also sell food. Drugstores can sell food. When I was growing up in the 70s in Cleveland, you couldn't go into a drugstore and buy a quart of milk. So it represented the first big fragmentation of food retail. The second thing was the emergence of whole food on a national scale. It was so successful, John Mackey actually allowed farmers to grow organic. He showed that there was enough of a market for organic and changed the product that was on our shelves almost single-handedly. So that's where we are now, and it's going to fragment even more as products explode, there were 10,000 products in the grocery store in 1997. Now there's 40 to 50,000 products. America's favorite supercenter actually makes over half its revenue from grocery sales. Here's a quick review of how Walmart got into the grocery business. Walmart was not a grocer to start off with. It was a general merchandise store. Roll into spring with the latest active sportswear from Walmart. Kids, come on in and play, touch, feel, and save during Walmart's first annual toy show. Great electronics deserve the best accessories, and Walmart has them all at low prices every day. They didn't sell any food until they got big into this building super centers in like the late 80s, early 90s, which had food. They've now become the biggest grocer in the country just by sheer dint of their size, you know, 4,700 stores. So food is very, very important to Walmart or to any retailer for the obvious reason that, you know, you might not always be buying batteries or, um, you know, an inflatable for your pool, but you always got to eat. 
and Walmart needs people coming back into their stores every week for food. And the problem is Walmart's food, while they've always had it, you know, it hasn't always been great. You know, you don't think of like, well, what's the best place to get a mango? Like Walmart does not come to mind. But Doug McMillan, their CEO since 2014, has really done a big push to try to improve the presentation of their food. Now, Walmart is busting its chops to improve one particular section, produce. Walmart isn't necessarily the first place that springs to mind when I think about buying apples or spinach. But as consumer preferences evolve, that's what shoppers are looking for. It's an important area for Walmart to win because grocery actually drives people to come into stores more often. Yeah, if you're buying produce, you're more likely spending a lot more in the overall basket, as we say. And the other interesting stat was that I think it was one out of three shoppers in super centers. And by super centers, we mean Walmart or Target. Um, one out of three will leave uh, their primary shopping destination. So they'll leave the Walmart to go shop to get their produce somewhere else, usually because they see it's not fresh enough um, and they want to get some better quality items. So for those two reasons, that produce... People who buy produce spend more and that, you know, one, when one out of three of your shoppers are walking out your door to go buy an item somewhere else, you better get your act together in that item and, and come up with something that people want to buy to keep them in the store so they're not going elsewhere. So I'm not alone in thinking I'd rather look elsewhere for my produce purchases. How big of a deal is that for Walmart? We asked Jeff Oberman from the United Fresh Produce Association to help us understand where produce fits into the retail strategy. The retail produce manager is he and or she, they have a lot of autonomy on how they execute their displays. Even if they might have corporate saying, you have this commodity that's on special this week, they can establish displays. They are traditionally located as, as You've mentioned in other podcasts, towards the front of the store, health and wellness, produce is now at the front of the store. So a produce manager is not just the, the, one of the most important departments because of uh, just the price and return to retail, but it's almost a welcome to the store, knowing their consumers, they know which products sell. It's almost a store within the store, and the perishability of fresh produce we have a moniker that you sell it or you smell it. So it's really that produce manager has to get those impulse items to the consumer, bring a new item, a new commodity that they might not have seen, and say, try a taste of this. Uh, do innovative cross-promotion. So work with other departments around the holiday season. Now let's, let's take a holiday. So St. Patrick's Day, you might have corned beef and cabbage. So they're going to cross-merchandise. Cross-merchandise bananas in the cereal aisle. Uh, so there's just different opportunities. They're a very important staff uh, representative for a grocery store. So produce helps set the tone for a store. You only have one chance to make a first impression, as they say. Walmart is hoping a physical makeover will help change the way people perceive its fresh foods. So what Walmart's done over the past couple of years is this whole big program, which they call Fresh Angle, where they're just trying to spruce up their produce department, move the shelves a little bit lower so you have whole line of sight across the whole produce aisle because the worst thing is if you like walk into produce and all you see is a big stack of tomatoes you're like well I don't need tomatoes I'll just walk on but now you can see the entire produce department when you walk in and they've moved they've changed the angles of the 
uh, of the aisles from like vertical to sort of on a diagonal. Um, so anyway, it looks a lot better. It looks just fresher. You know, a lot of people have said it looks like a farmer's market. And that's, of course, what everyone's going for. Because the last thing they want you to do is walk in and be like, all right, I'm just going to get my paper towels and my toilet paper and my diapers at Walmart. And then I'll go to Whole Foods or the farmer's market for my, you know, cantaloupe or apples and stuff because Walmart just doesn't have as much good stuff. Um, you know, they sell it on price, but it's not always maybe the freshest. And they're going a step further. Walmart's trying to actually make the produce on its shelves tastier than the fruits and veggies you find elsewhere. Here's where the cantaloupe comes in. Walmart's used its scale and influence over supply chain to help extend the sweet life of this summer staple. Listen to me, sonny, I don't want to be funny, but I tell you what I do if I didn't have the money. I'd steal them suckers, yes, I'd become a villain. A shoplift in them cantaloupe melons. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. Walmart sells 10 times as many cantaloupes in June as they do in December because in the winter months, they have to get the cantaloupes from like Central America, South America, Mexico. And those cantaloupes are bred for durability, not for taste. So they can survive the trip all the way up to, you know, your Walmart in New Hampshire or something, but they're not going to taste very good. So Walmart's like, God, we got to sell more cantaloupes in the winter. How are we going to do this? We need something that tastes better. So they go to Bayer, which is this German agricultural giant. They do seeds, they do everything. Um, and they said, can you find us a seed that would taste sweeter? Basically, there's this thing called the Brick scale, which is just a measure of sugar content. They're like, give us, find us a sweeter cantaloupe that we could breed year round. And that won't take, you know, 8 million uh, years to get here. Uh, and it'll taste sweeter. So Bayer looked through their little portfolio. All these seed companies have these like huge intellectual property portfolios of seeds and they found one that was to Walmart's liking. I mean, they found hundreds actually, but Walmart narrowed it down from like a hundred. Then they tested twenty, and Walmart is like so you know thrifty that they actually had employees do the testing because they're like they're too cheap to do a focus group, I guess, or or do like these sensory taste panels that everybody does. Um, so they got employees to taste these things. And they found one that they really liked, which was like thirty to forty percent sweeter. Um, than what they were currently selling uh, in the winter. And they're like, all right, that's that's our one. Let's grow some, um, get it into the stores. And I talked to Walmart a couple months ago for this while they were just getting it into the store. So they don't have it in every store yet. They've got it in a couple hundred, but by the end of this year, they will probably have it in you know just about every U.S. store. And the hope is, you know, you're going to try this cantaloupe. It'll be better than what you normally get uh, in the winter. And then, you know, all of a sudden, cantaloupe sales are going up for Walmart. If Walmart can throw its weight around to create a better melon, what does that mean for farmers and other grocers around the country? To find out, we talked with Matt Lally at Nielsen. 
produce really is in the, the driver's seat. And so certainly innovation is one of those opportunities that both retailers and manufacturers are experimenting with as ways to continue to generate new excitement and tie it in with some of those other trends like snacking and convenience. And so that's exactly what we're seeing play out right now across the across the stores. Any manufacturer retailer has to start thinking about five years from now, 10 years from now, if this shift continues, what is this going to look like? Because there may not be the need for that physical space, at least as much of it, in your traditional stores. And so that's an area where your perimeter departments like produce really could have a key role because we know that the shift of fresh products to online has been a lot slower because customers still want to have that physical engagement with the product. They still want to have the ability to pick up and look at the apple and make sure that there's no bruising. So, uh, if customers are still looking to the perimeter of the department as a way in which they want to physically engage, this could be an area that becomes even more critical in the future as uh, uh, sales and potentially shelf space shift out of the, the center of the store and open up more opportunity to really expand and involve the, the space dedicated to the perimeter of the store. Walmart's testing this cantaloupe in 200 U.S. stores now and is planning to roll the melons out across the country in the fall. What's next for the food giant? I mean, they're very much the company to beat because they're, you know, they're the biggest. They might not do it always the best, you know, um, when you're thinking of getting a TV. You know, you maybe you're thinking of Best Buy before you're thinking of Walmart. But by and large, you know, overall in retail, I mean, this is a $480 billion company in revenue. But Amazon is beating them, though, in many aspects. So Walmart very much feels that if they can get produce and fruit and vegetable into a better spot, that affords them an additional sort of defense. You know, if they're like in this little castle and Amazon's throwing, you know, cannons at them and stuff, um, produce is one sort of defensible part where they can be like, okay, well, Amazon can't get us there or they can't get us there yet. So the guy in charge of Walmart's produce is very smart guy named Sean Bolden. Um, said that his next for his next trick, um, he's going to try to recreate the San Marzano uh, tomatoes, which is a specific type of tomato, which is kind of known for its blend of sweetness and acidity. Um, I'm not a full tomato expert or connoisseur, um, but I have heard of them. And at least it's something you may have, you know, we talked in the earlier interviews about branding of produce and about how there's not a lot of branding in the fruit and vegetable aisle. But I think the San Marzano is definitely a tomato uh, blend or breed that's certainly known uh, known worldwide. And what Walmart's going to try to do now is try to see if they can replicate that taste, of course, in a Walmart way, you know, doing it very affordably so it doesn't have to cost as much as they, uh, they currently cost. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's up next. So stay tuned. So Amazon's biggest hurdle in grocery is produce, and Walmart is working to make that pain point even more difficult. It's a battle of giants. Luckily for consumers, the challenge is how to make shopping more and more convenient with better products and lower prices. 
I can't say I enjoy grocery shopping, so any innovations that make it easier for me and other customers to find the foods they want and that make those foods more delicious seems like a major win. Right. Convenience is key and competition is driving innovation. Though that may make it harder for smaller stores to survive, it could also mean 10 years from now, stores like Walmart will be selling all sorts of designer fruits and vegetables. If the industry pushes grocery quality up, makes it more convenient to buy, and lowers prices, that certainly seems like a win, at least for the consumer. That's it for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. For more Material World, find us on Apple Podcasts, Bloomberg, and wherever you listen to shows like this. You can also check out other cool Bloomberg podcasts like Game Plan, all about the do's and don'ts of office culture. If you're looking for more Walmart news, follow Matt Boyle on Twitter at BizBoyle. You can find more of Nielsen's research at Nielsen. Check out what's happening with the United Fresh Produce Association at United Fresh. Material World is produced by Magnus Henriksen and Liz Smith. Alec McCabe is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. Run to the supermarket, tell the supermarket man to give you a fresh rat can. Look, I want it, and I want no tomatoes, don't want no artichoke. I just want a nice rat cantaloupe. Don't want no weenies, don't want no jelly beans, don't want no bananas, no cigars from a band, no sugar frosted cereal, or ivory soap. I just want a nice rat cantaloupe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.